what I'm doing is representing an organization that as an entity operates like an artist. Manifest itself creates its programming as if it was an artist, not as if we were an, an art museum or a, a college or university or a community art center. It feels like an individual. And, and yes, our, our staff and, and our artists and residents participate in idea generation for the next season's exhibits. And then we talk about it as a committee and, and we plot it out and agree pretty much on what we're going to do. It's, it's hardly at all my, um, my own um, decision in the end. It's, it's a group decision. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 148th episode, I'm really happy to be joined by Jason Franz from Manifest, which is a nonprofit gallery and drawing center essentially based out of Cincinnati. And so he'll talk to us about all of those aspects coming up. So please stay tuned for that and check out manifestgallery.org. And if you're listening to Studio Break for the first time, we just want to let you know that we are a podcast and blog site that features a variety of different artists and organizations. They come on and I speak with them all about their studio practice and what goes into uh, their creative research. And we share these interviews on Studio Break. Again, you can access any of the archived episodes. Just look on the left sidebar and scroll through the archives. Or again, you can go to the iTunes store and find the podcast there. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media please like our facebook page you can tweet us at studio break and also follow us on tumblr that's studio-break.tumblr so please reach out and say hello and here is our interview with jason stay tuned welcome to studio break jason franz how are you this morning i'm great thank you david it's great to have you on finally. I know we've been talking about it for a bit, and of course you are the uh, the Grand Poobah, the director of Manifest. So I guess just to get started, um, Manifest is a gallery, a nonprofit based out of Cincinnati, and it was established around 2000 and what? 2004, actually. Yes. Yes. And, and I like to remind people that um, although most people seem to know us as Manifest Gallery, we actually are really just manifest because there are four different programs that are kind of equal players in, in what our organization does. And was it always kind of a vision of that, or is that always like kind of just something that's kind of slowly been built in, in terms of all the different projects and, and things that you have going on? Well, it was, it was, well, first of all, to say it was envisioned at all is, is a leap. <laughs> uh, the, the whole thing has kind of been a, an evolution. Um, and even the founding of it was just circumstantial. But it has, it has, in fact, always been envisioned to at least represent two halves. And we like to tell people um, that, that it represents the process and the product. So if, if, you if you would just break us into two halves, the Drawing Center program, which is our educational half, and the Gallery program, which is our sharing, our, our public face, um, it's always had that sort of dualistic um, infrastructure, if you will. And that has, over the, t- over the years, sort of evolved into four quadrants, if you, if you, if you will. Well, and I would imagine, too, just because of that dual nature, uh, it's brought more and more people in over, over that time and kind of created these other opportunities for people to get involved and, and be part of that discussion. Exactly. Well, and, and, it, and it stems from our mission, which is to address, really, to take a stand for the visual arts and, and to... Uh, take a stand for quality, the importance of quality in the visual arts. And so each of the programs has a, a different role to play in reaching artists, uh, students, and the public. And each one does that differently. And we also find, sort of miraculously even, that they they work together in tandem to do that. Like you had kind of brought up uh, in one of our emails exchanges is, you know, how to break some of this stuff down because there's so many kind of different <laughs> components. Um, but I guess maybe just to kind of tackle that, like maybe in kind of a way that you kind of uh, bring up is to maybe kind of uh, talk a little bit about, about the educational side of it and then maybe focus a little bit more on uh, some of the other sure. um, programs dealing with exhibitions and, and print and all sorts of stuff like that. But sure. what kind of classes and, and opportunities do you have to kind of take, I don't know, 
different drawing classes and, and kind of expand that education side of uh, manifest. Well, that, that, well, first of all, manifest itself as an entity arose out of academia. Uh, we, we were founded by students and professors working together. And, and that came out of um, initially my teaching at Xavier university, which is about a mile, a mile and a half away from manifest um, and quickly became its own thing. And the, the educational program, what we call the Drawing Center Studio, started as just an open life drawing session because I, I had been doing that myself as a professor uh, at three different uh, area universities since 1998, teaching life drawing and running open sessions. And so when we started the nonprofit, we wanted to continue that because it was a lot of the people that I was drawing with that were part of the formation of the, of the organization. And so that's where the Drawing Center started. It was a way of continuing life drawing as a collective without any educational component. Could you talk a little bit about just, I guess, drawing as a medium in terms of um, its ability to kind of be, I don't know, something that can be, people can take on and, and maybe learn how to develop, you know, if they're, if they're going to start taking a, a life drawing class and they've never taken another art class before? Sure. Well, well, you've probably done this as well, but, but as, a, as a professor of drawing, I often remind students a, a couple of things. And one is that, that talent, the, the, the assumption that talent is necessary is a myth. That's the first thing I tell them. Um, the next is that drawing, or any kind of art making really, but drawing is kind of a fundamental art process, uh, is like a language. It's like learning how to speak uh, a foreign language, which takes practice. Uh, it's like learning how to play a musical instrument. Or it's like learning how to do a sport well. So if you think about it that way, it's, a, it's an incremental learning process and developing one kind of muscle or another uh, and one kind of sensitivity or another. Uh, and that's, that sort of seeped its way into our, the organization's philosophy of teaching and, and enabling the learning of drawing at the drawing center. Um, and, and, and sort of to continue on my, my previous point, you know, it started out as kind of a, a collective open session format. But when we, we grew, we, we evolved and moved our studio a couple of times. When we finally reached a place where the studio was large enough and, and nice enough to, to, to facilitate it, we started offering instructed classes. And so that, that began to evolve in about 2007. And, and so now we have an entire roster and an annual um, lineup of classes that we offer. Which is, again, kind of how you alluded to it before. I mean, it's kind of uh, maybe not, not so much started out as a plan, but you've kind of like uh, kept the snowball kind of going, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it never was a – well, never was a, a, a um, explicit plan. Mm -hmm. I'd say that in essence, if, if you think about it in terms of essential motivations, it makes sense now. <laughs> it should have been a plan probably all along. Because, because a lot of what we do at Manifest is a reaction against two different phenomenons in the world. One is commercialism of art, and the other is sort of the industrialization of academia. And Manifest wants to be something in between and maybe a bit um, of an idealistic uh, or altruistic a compromise or not, not a compromise. We'd like to call ourselves a Switzerland between those entities. And so the, you know, the, everything we do is kind of framed by that push against academia and push against um, commercialism. And I mean, is, is that, I guess where you know, something like direct observation kind of comes into play. And again, maybe you could kind of help me out with that because I'm sure maybe not every aspect is uh, focused on direct observation, but again, I've seen some of, you know, the kind of work that you make and have a little bit of an idea of like what your experience is. Um, is that something that kind of helps unlock that? Cause I, I couldn't help but thinking about, you know, just how digital everything is now and, and, you know, and, and the types of classes that I teach, um, students are almost more prone to know how to, uh, do things on a computer as opposed to that mode of really kind of observing and being patient and kind of like working through something and, and learning some kind of real subtle manipulation of materials. Sure. Well, I, I'd say that it's important first to realize that the drawing center and our, and our, our sort of championing of drawing um, as a process, or as you called it, a medium, is really not so much about the how-to, although mm -hmm. we, we'll cover that. Um, it's about the why and, and what it does for you when you're drawing. And we know that, well, we also have a, our, our, sort of, our sort of underlying philosophy is learning to draw is learning to see. 
And so for me personally, and in my directorship of the program, but also the staff and the people that participate, we, we deeply connect to the idea that drawing is, mu- is as much of a philosophical process and a meditative process as it is an effort to make a, a pretty picture, if you will. It's not so much about aesthetics, although that, that's a part of the formula. Um, it's about what it does to yourself. So like a yoga class, if you will. Um, and d- direct observation is a way of tuning your hand and your mind and your eye. And, and you don't get that so much with, with non-observational work. And that's not to say that non-observational work is, doesn't have its own merits, of course. We love that. But in terms of a process that does something to the maker, observational drawing has a lot going for it. Okay? Does that make sense? Oh, no, completely. <laughs> completely. No, sorry. I, I, I get, can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I get wrapped up in listening, right? Sure. Um, <laughs> so you kind of talked about how initially, you know, there were just maybe like an open session and it's become more and more uh, structured with different classes. How many different types of drawing classes and opportunities are there at this point uh, for people to participate in? That's, that's a great question. It seems like everything that, that we do in all of our programs, but especially gallery and the drawing center, has different segments to it. And so we, we like to say our flagship offering at the Drawing Center is our open, our open life drawing. Uh, those are the things that we've been doing for 11 years now on a weekly, on a weekly basis, twice, twice a week or, or more often than that even. Um, and those are the open sessions where people can come and draw together, no instruction at all, but there's a lot of learning that happens sort of ambiently. Um, and then we have uh, what we consider sort of an ongoing offering of, of medium-term instructed classes. Our, well, currently we're offering Drawing Fundamentals, which is somewhat of a new program, which is basically either what, what you would call basic drawing or intro to drawing, mm-hmm. but it's also intended to be a, an option for people that already have some skill or some training to tune, tune up their skills. So Drawing Fundamentals runs year-round in a quarter system, focusing on line, value, color, and content. So very fundamental from an academic standpoint. Uh, but that's something we offer ongoing. And, it, and it's taught by local teaching artists, usually people that are teaching uh, at the college level. And then we have, we, we offer other classes like that too, special topics classes um, that we might have proposed by a teaching artist that we think is a good fit. And if people are interested, we run those. Um, memory, imagination, was a recent class that we had taught by Amber Stuckey, who recently relocated here from, uh, from California. And it was a very, very popular class. And now we also have the third level of that is our special workshops. We have a Shane Wolf workshop. Shane is from Paris, France, originally from Cincinnati, but he's been living and working in Paris, France for a number of years. He's, uh, he's very tr- highly trained in the academic um, style, but he was also a graphic designer. Uh, he studied at the Angel Academy in Florence and then went on to form his own studio in Paris. And he's come back several summers now to teach a class for us. So it's a three-day workshop. And then we were excited to announce that following that in October, uh, Julia Aristides is joining us for another three-day workshop. Uh, you may be familiar with Juliet's book, The Classical, uh, Classical Drawing Atelier and Classical Painting Atelier and Lessons from the Atelier in Drawing. So it's kind of three different tiers, three different primary tiers of programs that we offer. Uh, in addition to other things like drawing marathons and uh, cast drawing, free, free cast drawing sessions for the public um, and private lessons. How has it kind of changed in terms of just the way that people will get involved since it initially started? Are you finding that there's a lot more people that you wouldn't think would be interested in art classes or at least maybe you know kind of maybe from that academic side you know sometimes schools are so focused on you know the idea of like a certain type of student versus um, people from around the community so are you finding a lot of those people have been gravitating towards taking more classes and really kind of getting invested in, in drawing and art I, I don't know that there's a trend yet that i can i can put my finger on i can tell you that it's that that the drawing center is the opposite sort of um opposite sort of challenge from the gallery in terms of getting people involved. Because for, for one, our, 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 our mission at the drawing center is deliberately very focused. And we like to remind people that we are not a community education program. Mm-hmm. We, are a con- we are a continuing education program. 
So what, what I mean by that is our, our goal with everything we offer there is to make people better artists and teach them how to be artists. So it's, it's not so much a, a sort of a, a weekend diversion, although it may be that for some people. It's intended to make better art come, in, come into the world. And we do that partially because of our academic uh, rigor that we apply to everything we do. And the other reason is because there's plenty of community art centers around Cincinnati, and we don't need to compete with them. So kids' classes and, you know, sort of the, the more uh, entertainment-based education is, is elsewhere, and, and we accept that. But that makes the, the, the people that we attract more of a, I guess, a, a narrower demographic, if you will, in terms of their interests. So essentially people that are pretty serious and, and wanting that, like you had said, kind of like someone, someone maybe to kind of like brush up skills or learn new skills or new explorations, I guess, if we're not attributing yeah. it just to the word skill, right? Yeah, it's not. Uh, although we do, we do, we do tend to, to latch on to that because it's something people can relate to as a tangible value. If we communicate skill to them, um, they can, they can look, at, look back on it in a, in, a, in a month or a year and say, I got something. Um, so, so that is something that we is sort of a core aspect of the drawing center, but it's not exclusive by any means. But it is something that people respond to. So, so for example, the, the, the Juliet Aristides class is you know she's got a very narrow kind of niche brand, if you will, of her education approach, and it's skill based, and you know it will be very popular. And same with Shane Wolf, you know very very uh, sort of classical um, style. That shouldn't be interpreted as our mission at the Drawing Center, but it is what people want to learn, and it does relate to what we're doing. So, so we're thrilled to have them plug into the overall formula that is the Drawing Center. But, but you're right. Um, even people that are what would call themselves amateurs, they may not have a college education in art, uh, may not have a lot of training. They may still come to the Drawing Center because they're serious, even if they have what they would consider to be not enough skill. Or, or, or experience. Uh, we'll give it to them. How about you just give us some highlights in terms of the, the educational uh, stuff that's coming up and, and what your goals are for the program? Sure. Well, well, I, I can explain, too, that, that you know, the, gallery, the gallery itself took off like gangbusters, and there are so many, so many people around the world that respect what we do and, um, and, and engage in what we do. And the Drawing Center draws from such a narrow re- region because people have to travel to, to study with us. And so it's, it's, it's going to naturally attract or reach a limited audience compared to the gallery itself. So that's a challenge we've been dealing with. But we've also been dealing with just the nature of growing a nonprofit organization. You know, we've only recently added full-time staff, and we only have four part-time staff or three part-time staff as it is. So... We've not only have we been having to program, but we've have been having to build the organization from the ground up. And the drawing center has been a little neglected, to be honest, because of because of the process. And so our board of directors and my staff and myself have been planning this year to uh, greatly um, greatly invest in efforts to expand and to cement the drawing center as as the other half of Manifest, if you will. And so we've got a few surprises that we're working on um, that I'll, I'll, I'll at least tease out there now. We're, we're very interested in uh, creating a public darkroom for photography, um, which is an interesting, an interesting juxtaposition, if you will, with, with traditional drawing practice and, and observational drawing. Mm-hmm. But we believe it makes perfect sense because it's all about seeing, and it gets back to our, our sort of principal idea that that learning to draw is learning to see and if that's what we're about then why not photography and why not take a stand for the value of the handmade photograph in chemicals and the darkroom um, instead of the fast made photograph with uh with digital media and again that's not to say we have anything against digital photography because because we love that too sure but as a process it will feed into our our educational um ideals i think um, and we are also also writing heavily writing grants right now um, to to support the infrastructure up, upgrades that we need. Um, we, we are also building some new scholarship programs. We've already had a scholarship program running for for need based um, scholarships for youth, but we're going to be adding some 
two two other scholarships, merit-based scholarships for youth and scholarships for emerging artists. Because by emerging artists, we would define that as people who have recently graduated from college um, within the past few years. Because we know that so often, young, usually young people graduate from, from an art program, and, and that's where the, the break will happen if it's going to happen. They may not continue making their art. And so we, we were going to call, call it something like the Bridge Fund or the Bridge Scholarship to help bridge the, the emerging artists to their professional careers. So those are just, there's just a few, um, a few bits that are going to be added, hopefully added, if we, if we find the funding, to the Drawing Center in the next, hopefully the next year. Very cool. Yeah. But I, I, I think that's really interesting, that idea of just kind of creating these opportunities, especially for uh, emerging artists, because, you know, I've, I've talked to a number, you know, people that have maybe graduated with a BFA degree, you know, young artists that have won, you know, our Studio Break competition. And, you know, they're kind of like, you know, working in an attic somewhere and, you know, kind of looking to kind of keep that community. So, again, I think that overall idea, too, of kind of creating a place where people can kind of participate and you know, interact with other artists and other like-minded individuals. I mean, it seems like that especially is something that's underlying all of this, too. Yeah, it is. And, and, and that is one of the things we discovered. Uh, one of those sort of organic aspects of the, of, the, of the program was that the open drawing sessions inevitably attracted a whole, whole range of people, from current students to recent students to working professional artists to professors at area art programs to retirees and and yet nothing was instructed yet everyone learned from each other so that that caused us to build into our vision of the of the program the idea of shared learning and and that inevitably involves a community um, an organic community not one we script but one we cultivate well, and so we've talked a little bit about that educational um, side of Manifest and, you know, had brought up this idea of having having two sides in the beginning. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about that other side, the the gallery and uh, all the other offerings that you have in terms of, uh, you know, uh, publications and, you know, different calls to exhibitions and things like that. So it's been pretty robust, right, since you've been around, like you had stated. It's always been kind of getting attention. Yeah. It, in fact, it well, it. It uh, caught us by surprise. <laughs> so, so um, you know, the, the first, the first, the first exhibits opened in January of two thousand and five, and and now we're on Friday. We open the last exhibits of our eleventh season, and and it's pretty um, well. To even to us, it's pretty darn miraculous that it, that it even came to be. And it was nothing we ever had planned. It wasn't my plan to create manifest. It was again circumstantial. It just kind of kind of coalesced, if you, if you would. And yet here we are with uh, having done, um, I think to date, something like 181 exhibits, published 17 books, uh, shown either through books or exhibits over 4,500 works of art by almost 2,000 artists. And we, we, we shake our heads every day that we were able to do this and connect with so many people. What's the magic about that? I, I don't mean to make it sound so like, uh, you know, because I guess something maybe to kind of draw like a, a parallel thing, um, you know, as a painter, like a, I've known so many people that hang things or like I don't, don't want to hang things, but like um, New American Paintings, for example, is something that you can kind of say to a painter and they kind of go like, yep, I know that, you know, and sure. I think in a similar way, um, you know, you know, whether it be, you know, drawing or painting or international calls, um, it seems like Manifest really kind of uh, pulls in a really good variety. But that kind of notoriety is something that's very interesting because you can talk to people that, I don't know, might not know. Maybe they don't go to Cincinnati, but they've heard of Manifest. You know, yeah, we hear that all the time, and and every time we we get a different story. You know, every couple of months, someone will let us know. You know, I was most recently a, a, a friend, a colleague that teaches in Dayton said he was in New York City, and he talked to three different galleries or three different people in the arts, and and told them he was from Cincinnati, and and they all said, "Hey, that's where Manifest is," and he shared that story with me, and it just made my heart swell because um it's so meaningful that that we have earned a reputation and the respect of people um even in a place that you know has been called the arts capital of the world so the magic the magic 
That's a really good question, and I think it's appropriate to ask that because it it isn't like we we were trained to do this. It's not none of us are business people. Um, none of us have a degree in business. We're all arts people. Um, I think I think it's probably several different factors that work into the equation. And for my part, I, I think it's like you know, manifest is out to exhibit or to publish uh, a quality work, a plus quality work, if you will. And you know, that's that's where our our mission gets down to the term quality. And we try very hard to apply a very rigorous and systematic process to judging the quality. And we talk about that. And so the people's work that get it, gets in the shows or in the books has been judged to be exceptional. And that's meaningful to them. And then we treat them with, with the care and respect that we would expect ourselves because we're artists too. And we know what it's like to not be treated that way. So I think, I think, that, spreads, I think that spreads goodwill and respect. And that, that's, I think, what got us off the ground. And that's how come we, uh, we, we sort of realized the, the tagline that we have, which is the neighborhood gallery for the world. You know, we are a neighborhood gallery. We're a small street-level space in a, in a community that's walkable. Um, but we also exhibit artists. We have exhibited artists from all 50 states and 40 different countries. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, right? Yeah, it is. Well, it surprises. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, you you just get, kind of get back to that idea of just like, you know, people from uh, all sorts of different places uh, know of Manifa. Do you think part of that has to do um, with a little bit of like the, that rigorous process? Because again, um, you know, sometimes like a, a jury show or, or something like that is just, you know, purely, you know, like one person's opinion. And from what I understand, there's a whole like group <laughs> of artists and you know, people that uh, that kind of review materials and, and, I don't know, take a real, you know, like you had said, it kind of indicated like a very serious approach to making sure that they're picking the very best. Yes. Well, I think that has a lot to do with it um, to, for two reasons, at least. One is because the end results show it. Um, they reveal usually a really wide diversity of kinds of work. So it's not like we're biased towards realism or abstraction or conceptual work. You can see any of that throughout our season. And usually it's mixed in in each exhibit, which makes each one very interesting um, and and not bland in any way. And I think that if you, you know, we put a heck of a lot of hard work into what we do, even more so than what people are, are told or see on the outside. And I've always believed that if you put hard work into something, it, it shows, and it shows in ways that you may not be able to put your finger on, but it but it does to to for forgive the word, but it does manifest itself <laughs> in, in results. So so yeah, the rigor the rigor really matters. My job early on was to sort of set up the process by which we would do this, and I don't know. Sometimes I think people are still surprised that it is not a like if I'm the chief curator, so to speak, of manifest. It's not the typical curatorial role where I'm out looking for art that I like and I ask people to show. That's very, very rare, if, if ever, that I do that. I'm more of an editor and a, and a coordinator of a system that I had to create. And when I created the system, I deliberately neutralized myself. So that's where, you know, for, for a publication, for example, we might have as many as 16 jurors scoring as many as 1,600 works. And if you do the math, I, I'm not going to pull out a calculator, but that's a lot of scores. <laughs> right, right. And, and my job is just to tally those and to bring the, 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 the highest votes to the top and, and organize them and then work with that. And so I, I get to have my hand in it, but my hand is, is, um, is, is, is governed a lot more by the jury than a standard curators would be. And I honor that. Um, and, I, and I think that that has earned respect of people, and it's shown itself in our exhibits, in our publications. I was going to say, do you think that that component of having publications is something that also kind of really kind of helps add to that? You know, because, again, you know, for anybody that's, you know, interested in, in – and gosh, sorry for not mentioning it. You know, definitely go check out Manifest. Go check out their opportunities page, and you'll see there's all sorts of different opportunities. But a lot of times, you know, you'll show – um, and some juried show, you know, kind of, I don't know, 
outside of a major city or something like that, you know, maybe you never even see it. Maybe you're too far away to kind of go to the opening. But these, you know, catalogs also kind of help document that whole aspect of that, too. So do you think that's kind of like a big component, too, in terms of just getting so many um, applications? Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, the, the, the exhibit catalogs was something we, we set out to do from the very, very get-go. Um, so we've, we've, with those and then the new Manifest Exhibition Annuals, which have not been printed yet but will be, um, we will have documented every work that's ever shown at the gallery. And, again, we're, we're kind of pulling our, our, um, our building of the organization and our program out of our own experiences as artists, both as professors, teaching artists, as students ourselves in the past, and as working artists. And we, we think about, well, what would we value? When we're looking out there for calls for entry that we want to submit to or, or galleries we want to work with, what do we really appreciate? And being published in a, in a, in a very nicely designed book for posterity matters, and the quality of the book matters. So no doubt that helped get people's attention. And it, and it kind of, um, it was our... Our collateral, if you will, um, to the artist, when we say we're serious about doing this and we will produce this book and then you see it show up on your, on, in your mailbox um, and, and it's beautiful, that, that goes a long way to sort of giving us credentials for the artists. What are some of the, the, the highlights that you might have in terms of some of the exhibitions? And I don't know, maybe, again, those could be, um, you know, ones that kind of range from, you know, solos to, you know, different kind of group shows. But what, what kind of range do you have? In terms of, in terms of types of shows or the highlights of, like, uh, the past? <laughs> but, again, obviously we talked a bit about drawing um, in terms of, you know, a, a kind of integral component to manifest. Um, and in terms of the different exhibitions that you offer, what kind of other exhibitions are kind of like, I guess, specialized in that, that, um, that similar way? Well, for, first of all, there is a common, a common mistake, uh, where people sometimes will assume that because we are a manifest creative research gallery and drawing center, that the gallery is a drawing gallery. And it, it has never been that. For the coming season, which we have yet to release the, the schedule for, uh, but it, it's coming very soon, but, but it has been uh, finalized in terms of the content, except for solo exhibits. But for the coming season, which starts at the end of September, we only have one drawing show, at, at least one um, group drawing show. I'm not sure yet about the solos. They may, they may or may not include drawing. Uh, and that's our annual drawn exhibit, uh, which happens in April. Everything else may or may not include drawing because it's not necessarily media-based. Uh, the, only, the only media-based uh, group exhibit that we have planned for the coming season is our first one, which is now going to be a biennial called Fresh Paint. And this will be the, the, the second time we've offered it as a, as, a, as a repeating exhibit. And it launches in September 25th. But, you know, if you ask for highlights, either forward-looking or backwards-looking, the whole experience has been a highlight. Uh, um, I should I should frame I should frame the idea of our season of exhibits with the the, the idea that um, similar to the drawing center, having layers of different types of offerings, the the gallery has solo exhibits of which we plan eight or nine in the coming season. It has annual exhibits which recur every year, and we have several of those. Um, and we feel it's interesting to repeat an observation or a collection or a survey, if you will, on a year-to-year basis because we know that that creates a history. And it's interesting to, to track it over time. So that, combined with our publications, becomes a sort of a valuable documentation for posterity relative to those annual themes. Um, and then on top of all that, we have one-time um, non-annual exhibits, thematic thematic group competitions. So, having said that, we have several in place that that are as yet untitled, but uh, we're going to be doing an exhibit that's looking at scale or size. Um, it might be called something like monolithic, um, asking for for works that are either about scale or size or are themselves challenging in size. One about big ideas or cosmology or mis- mis- mystery. Another exhibit revisiting the idea of the botanical um, subject matter. Another probably called Memory Palace, which will be about time, memory, history. 
and another about flight um, or, or velocity. And then one more, which, which the staff uh, helped generate all of these, by the way, um, but the staff was particularly interested in the idea of synesthesia, an art that involves multiple senses. So that's one that, that people on, on this end are very excited about. So that's a, that's a handful of the, of the thematic exhibits that are coming up um, starting in, in September for our 12th season. Well, and again, it's, it's exciting to, to hear you talk about it just because, again, there are those um, kind of repeat exhibitions or ones that are, you know, every, every other year or every year. And then all these that might kind of incorporate new ideas. Um, but again, just kind of listening to you talk about it, you get a definite sense that everybody is kind of on board in terms of kind of coming up with these different opportunities or, or new, I don't know, new ideas for shows. And I think it's important too, that you noted again, like that everyone's background is a, uh, you know, an artist. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that I, you know, and, and listening to you talk about it, I'm trying to think about that. And like, yeah, what is it? What is it? And I think that that totally comes through, though, too. Well, well, t t I want to. I want to. That's all right. I want to interject there because you're onto something. Um, a lot of times, like uh, I'm, I'm asked by, let's say, a reporter who's talking, who's going to write an article about about an exhibit, and they want to meet with the curator, in, in other words, me, and and get my curatorial spin on an exhibit, and I have to tell them that I'm not that kind of curator, although I'm happy to talk about an exhibit. But, but what, I, what I'm doing is representing an organization that as an entity operates like an artist. Manifest itself creates its programming as if it was an artist, not as if we were an, an art museum or a, a college or university or a community art center feels like an individual. And, and yes, our, our staff and, and our artists and residents participate in idea generation for the next season's exhibits. And then we talk about it as a committee and, and we plot it out and agree pretty much on what we're going to do. It's, it's hardly at all my, um, my own um, decision in the end. It's, it's a group decision. Which, of course, is very awesome because then you're not always uh, running around pulling your hair out. Exactly. <laughs> I, do, I do that for other reasons. <laughs> I know I'll highlight some of these at the end to remind people, but I mean, obviously, like um, the, uh, the sixth annual uh, Manifest Prize is, is coming up. I mean, that's got to be like a huge one that people apply for. Yeah, that's a good one to bring up because of what it is. And because this year we've, we've, kind, of, we've kind of put our are, I guess, are cards on the table, or I don't know what you want to call it. But we've, I, I told our board of directors, if we want this to mean something, besides the singularity of the selection, one piece wins and gets shown, we have to, we have to make it uh, a bigger prize. And so we've committed to making it $5,000, which is, which is a lot for our little organization to do. Sure. But we've, we've kind of, We've kind of driven that because of what it means. It means something to us. We know that that size of a prize will mean more to artists because if somebody gives you $5,000, you can do a heck of a lot with it. So that's a big step for us. Again, we're, we're a tiny organization with you know, pulling ourselves up from the ground up, and yet we're artists that know that this will help someone. And the story of that, of that whole project comes from uh, every, every once in a while me getting a, a complaint in an email or from someone who got rejected from an exhibit and was mad because we only took 20 artists work and how can we be so selective and he was really you know these guys get really mad about that and it's it's rare that that happens but it's it's hot enough for me to think about it and so I thought one day I thought you know what I I believe so much in what we do in our selectivity, that we are going to create a show that no matter how big or small the work is, we're going to have one piece in that exhibit, and it's going to have the gallery to itself. And that's how the Manifest Prize and the One was developed as a, as a true symbol of our selectivity. And is that also something that really allows you to kind of show the things that, that the people at Manifest are really interested in, in pushing forward as, as to what's what they should, what people should be aware of and looking at. I, I don't know if I understand your question. <laughs> well, 
so I mean, manifest doesn't, doesn't have like that traditional uh, gallery role, maybe of you know depending on sales for keeping its doors open. Uh, absolutely not. Um, we we are an anti art store, if you will, uh, and I, I personally think that as soon as you you try to make art into a commodity, you're risking losing the soul of the art itself. And and that's something I brought with me from my time as an undergraduate. I hated the idea of trying to put a value on my work and hope someone will pay it. Um, just just yesterday, I had to answer a question by a, a person who was interested in submitting to one of our shows, and, and they were asking, does every show sell most of its work? Um, what is the percentage of work that's sold across the year? You know, questions like that. And I had to, I had to tell this person that the, the fact that you're asking these questions tells me that, that you're not aware of, our, of the nature of Manifest, that, that we don't think about sales at all. We'll put a price on something if somebody wants to sell it, and we will take a, a small commission if, if it does sell because that helps us operate. But our goal is to create an amazing experience around great work. Um, if, if it happens to result in someone, a, a patron and an artist, hooking up with a work of art, we're thrilled by that. But that's not what we're about. We're about the experience of the work of art, which, which I think consequently ultimately leads to future success monetarily, however that may happen. But to get the two collapsed can be very problematic in my mind. And so we stand separate from that. Well, and I guess to kind of highlight, um, you know, like that other component to it, we've talked a little bit about the publications, but again, I would encourage anybody to go check out the bookstore component of um, Manifest too, to see all the different uh, exhibition catalogs and other things that are available there. Um, sure. And again, documenting, I guess, is it every show that you've had or every, every, every piece Every work of art, every show is documented in the catalog or will be. We've, we recently moved into a new format where instead of producing a catalog for every um, exhibit period, we are producing one big book for every year. So we started that for season 10 last year, and I'm currently building that book myself now. We decided after a decade it was time to do something even more because it, uh, it was justified. But so, so in essence, every exhibit will be a, a chapter. And every work of art shown in the gallery will be included. And again, maybe jumping topics um, a little bit, but I wanted to make sure that we got to it. And I know that we've glossed over almost everything and we could probably spend you know, another hour talking. But could you talk a little bit about the, the residency also, which is uh, something that, if I'm not mistaken, started up a, a few years ago? Or, or I don't know, maybe just talk a little bit about that. It's another one of those examples of our organic evolution. Um, and, and and just to put it in the context of our of our thinking about manifest as halves or quadrants, the residency fits into the educational or the artist support quadrant. Um, so it's in essence it's a pairing with the drawing center, but because it's located in our in our gallery building, right next to the gallery, it also bridges the drawing center, which is seven miles away from manifest. Uh, it bridges the drawing center with the gallery itself, which we find to be extremely important um and it was started the first residents showed up um in in the spring of 2012 so it's actually our newest program or the newest quadrant of the organization and the reason it the reason it came to be was because we had a complicated lease arrangement in our current building and originally manifest only occupied one quarter of that of, that, of its floor on its building and now we occupy the entire floor which is you know, a significant amount of growth. Um, at some point, there was an apartment on our floor that was being used as artist studios, not related to Manifest. And it was pretty bad shape. It was moldy and pretty, pretty dilapidated. And we had, a, we had built into our lease the first right of refusal for that unit should it come available. And it did come available. And the landlord said that we could have it at, at practically nothing if we took it as it was, which was in very bad shape. But we didn't have any money, and we had no, no way of paying for this, even though it was dirt cheap. So we said we, we would do it um, because it was a great opportunity, but we would have to clean it up and de demold it and paint it and fix some things, um, which we did. We did it for two reasons. One was because it was it was securing our future, 
And the other was because we were adding gallery space. We were adding our parallel space at the time. And people forget that when you have gallery space and you added more, you need more room to store things like boxes and packing materials and, and whatnot, art in transit. And so this new space was going to help us by giving us some overflow storage, which was extremely bad, badly needed. So that was a great kind of elegant solution to that. But it has three rooms in it, and only one room is being used as a, as a storeroom. And so again, sort of as, as, we, as we've already talked, we sat around as a, as a staff in a staff meeting, and we were trying to brainstorm on what are we going to do with the additional space? We could rent it out as studios. We could you know, do all sorts of things with it. But it needs to be able to, to make money enough to pay for itself, at least, for the rent and a little bit of utilities. Uh, that's kind of how Manifest has, has managed to exist this long, is that we, everything we do has to kind of make its, make its own way because we don't have a lot of uh, donations or grant money to work with. Um, and one of the staff, uh, who is a regular longtime drawer with us, the Drawing Center, uh, and a professor of, of painting uh, in, in a local university, uh, he's, he said, we should give it away. In essence, we should make an artist residency. We shouldn't rent it out. We should award it out. And, you know, I, I was like, wait a minute, that, that doesn't pay the rent. But also I said, wait a minute, that makes perfect sense. That's what Manifest would do. It would give this space away. And so at that, at that point, we decided that we would have a competitive call for applications and initiate the Manifest Artist Residency. And that's, that's how it began. And so, so now there's been five total? Uh, let me let me see. We've had um, we are in our let's see one two three we are in our fourth residency, the, but but we've in, we we doubled the number of awards given. The first resident was was solo. He got two rooms to himself, and he was our you know he was our pilot. It was Tyler Wilkinson, and afterwards in his sort of exit interview, he's he said that he would have. He would have been happy to have just had one of the two rooms if he had a, a fellow studio mate next door. Mm-hmm. So he gave us the idea that there would be value in having two residents with a little bit less space each, but they're still having their own private rooms. Um, so we, we moved to a two-person format the next year. Um, and so we've done that ever since. So we, we, we just welcomed our newest residents um, in July, Samantha Herring and Marina Friedman started up just recently again I, I think that's an interesting idea because uh i've i've been at those uh isolated uh residencies where you're by yourself for a month sure <laughs> but it, it is good it's good for us because because they get involved they they get involved at the drawing center they have free access to anything that's an open session um, most of them will end up teaching some classes at the drawing center uh, they get to help us out they get to be part of the juries sometimes if i invite them um, they help us brainstorm ideas for the next year in terms of exhibition programming. And they they engage with the public at every opening reception, including opening their studios to the public uh, nine times a year. So, I mean, is, is, especially, is there anything coming up that you're you know particularly excited about and people should check out? Well, our whole season. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's everything is always moving here. And... You know, people will ask, what's your favorite work in a show? And I can't answer that question, not, not because I can't politically, but because I love the show. Every exhibit that we, we do, I design to scale before we even notify the artists that they're in. And I don't know that, you know, people realize that, but it's, it's created as a work of art before we even notify the finalists. So for me, each exhibit really is a work of art made up of works of art. And I love the whole thing. Um, the, the, some of the things that, that, I think that that um, people sometimes don't realize, or maybe make a mistake um, when they when they think they understand manifest, is the the nature of our engagement with students. Um, we're, we're really proud to be able to say we've included students works by students representing over 160 different academic institutions, but we are not an emerging artist gallery or a student based gallery, but we embrace them like we embrace anybody else making art. Because of the anonymous nature of our jury process, we don't care if someone's a student or an aged veteran making Mm -hmm. art. We're looking for excellent work. And so there have been shows in the past where we've had a a high school student's painting right next to a veteran's. 
and people would not be able to pick them apart, would, wouldn't be able to identify which was which. And we're incredibly proud of that student for having achieved that. Uh, and I'm proud of Manifest for sort of standing for that, that mixture, similar to the drawing center that mixes the same kind of um, backgrounds of people, student to professional and professors all together. Uh, the, the gallery does the same thing through its system. Um, and, and so some of our exhibits, as you may, as you may remember, are, are student-based or are um, investigations into academia. So we have the, the annual undergraduate or recent graduate show, Rites of Passage. It's going to be its 12th annual this year. Um, we also have the Masterpieces show, which is the only exhibit up until now that we've given all our galleries to as like a museum installation for graduate students or recent graduates. And, and the one that's most, I think, gotten the most um, positive responses in terms of a concept, but has the most difficulty reaching people because of its complicated nature is tapped, which asks for pairs of works or co collaborated um, collaborations and submissions between people, artists, and their current or their former instructors. So what we end up doing is showing pairs of works by people who were related as professor and student at some point in time. And I think sometimes people think that that means you have to be a current student or a current professor, and that's not the case. Uh, we've had people that were veteran artists tapping their former professors, who were obviously much older than them, and they showed together in our gallery. And, and so the, the meaning of that or the, the sort of the meaningfulness of it of bringing uh, those two back together across a, a whole gallery of different artists and exploring the relationship of one one's work to the other, whether or not they look alike or not, is really compelling to me, having been a professor and an artist who respects my former teachers. So that's one of the, one of the shows that happens in the fall that, that uh, I'd like people to think about because... Most people out there are practicing art. I know not everyone, but most people have had a teacher that taught them art at some point in time and who they respect. And I think it's kind of an honor to them both to, to show their work together and sort of talk about that in the context of Manifest's exhibit. That is a compelling idea. You know, you see from time to time, especially like um, maybe there's like a really specific mentor that kind of like leaves an impact. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and again, I think that's something that's so interesting about art because it can be, you know, um, you know, a group of artists or something that you maybe meet up with, you know, even kind of rarely um, and just have one of these off instances where you happen to be working in the same same vicinity to someone and they kind of teach you something. So yeah. um, it's interesting to think about how some of that um, can have, you know, like an impact on your studio work the, the rest of your life, hopefully. Exactly. The, the, another, another series of exhibits that we started a, a couple of years ago is our regional exhibits. When we, when we started expanding the gallery, which we, we did, we haven't talked much about that, but the, 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 the gallery finally expanded into its optimal footprint. That's what we call it um, a little over a year ago now. And um, that, that gave us what we feel like is a perfect suite of galleries, five spaces. And when we did that, we, we decided that uh, as part of that, we would start to create exhibits that are focusing on on our region. Um, not not all of our exhibits, but just a, a small segment of our of our schedule would be uh, usually competitive calls that looked for certain certain types of art or certain media from Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana, uh, in order to engage the people here as much as we were engaging the world, because we seem to do such a good job of reaching outside our region, um, and that that actually morphed into a sort of a two-part approach uh, this year where not only do we reach out to our region with, with some of those, but we are now exploring other regions. Um, this year we had a couple of regional exhibits which pitted, if you will, pitted Michigan against Florida. So we called for works by artists in Michigan, open call, and we put that in a gallery. And we called for works by artists in Florida and put that in a gallery next to it so that we could see what the response would be, what, what, what they were doing, what they were doing differently, and most importantly, what our jury ended up deciding was going to be in the show and how those two exhibits compared to each other, which was, in my mind, really, really fun to do. And, and it's still, still a, regional, uh, a regional survey, if you will, but it's a different region than our own. 
And not only is that interesting because it pitted Florida against Michigan to, to sort of not really a competition, but a comparison, if you will. Um, it also brings outside regional work to our regions so that the artists in our area can see what's, what the flavor is out there. And so this year, the coming year, starting, starting in September, season 12, we'll include another one of those where we have a New York open call and a California open call side by side. And we're very interested in seeing what that's going to result in. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it should be interesting. Again, really like that nature of the uh, review process because again, there's not like um, you know, there's there's not stock in something, right? It's just kind of blind. You know, sure. someone's going to see this work and base it, you know, base its value on on you know, how, how well it's received or, you know, how it looks in comparison to the other ones, what it does that the other ones maybe don't do, um, which is very cool, you know, for, for artists that are looking for opportunities. So, yeah, well, it's also, I want to add into that. We've talked a little bit about that process, but I haven't made this point yet that not only is it a lot of jurors, um, weighing in and, and they, they have an art background of some kind so that they're definitely qualified to make judgment, but I, I, I am very explicit in my instructions to them to separate out their sense of taste with their sense of quality. I remind them that those are two different things that sometimes overlap, but often enough they don't. Then we confuse them. And their job for a manifest is to judge with their sense of quality, regardless of whether they like something or not. And, and I make that explicitly clear. Um, and everybody's got their own subtle biases and, and is going to is going to kind of have gray areas there. But that's why we use so many jurors. If most of them, if all of them are doing a pretty good job of being objective and judging quality rather than taste, then the number of jurors will neutralize any bias. And we end up with something that's as close to pure as possible. It's, it's never going to be 100 percent pure, but it's pretty darn close, I think. Very cool. Well, I was going to say the, the last thing that we haven't really touched on that, that folks outside of the, of the area might not realize, but people around here really do, that, that we, when we formed Manifest where we did on Woodburn Avenue, it was a, the street was blighted. It, it, was a, it was one of those fringe urban areas that had once been a thriving, you know, a, a thriving business district and, you know, 100 years ago or 50, 60 years ago. Um, which which became dilapidated and run down and and problematic for the community, and it's one reason why we were able to exist is we got we got a great space for almost nothing, and we got a great lease that that sort of rewarded us for improving the space. But we've played a, a, a what we've been told is we've we've played the role of an anchor on our street, which has caused a dramatic turnaround uh, in the whole community. And the street, people that see the street today would never know that it was what it was 10, 11 years ago. It has become a, a miraculous rebirth of East Walnut Hills and the Woodburn Avenue um, business district around the, the beautiful DeSales Church, um, which is a historic, uh, historic building uh, just down the street from Manifest. So it's, and, and, and folks, folks, especially grant, grantors, often get, get a little bit confused, I think, uh, thinking that that was our purpose, or that should be our purpose to transform the community, and it, and and I remind people all the time that it's not. Although we know that that is the result that we are very happy about, our job is to do our work very well, which is to create our programming and engage artists and the public, trusting that if we do that well, it will result in those positive effects on the immediate community surrounding us, and that's what's happened. I have to say, especially that's pretty. Excellent, considering uh, the times that we find ourselves in, you know, especially trying to justify, uh, you know, the the importance of the arts, um, whereas Manifest, in this case, is really delivered, right? Yeah, it has. And and sort of through a stubborn resistance of trying to make that our, our job, because if we focused on community change, we wouldn't do what we do well. We'd be distracted by the other. But we but we knew all along that it would it would do that. We, we, we like to call that ambient value. You know, the value that comes from doing something well, but that wasn't the purpose of doing it well. 
Well, just to throw you for a loop here, if uh, if uh, if a uh, time traveling Jason came back, uh, <laughs> what would he what would he tell you that is going on a manifest? Uh, I don't know in fifteen years. <laughs> oh my goodness! Is, is there anything you guys ever have those discussions? Like oh, what I what could should, happen I, in fifteen years? I've written about that in my <laughs> in my newsletters to our members. Um, manifest would have a have a campus uh, where its gallery and its drawing center coexisted either in the same building or nearby. Um, in, in some ways it would be best if it was nearby because that would create a dynamic in a community where people would walk to get from one to the other, but where the two could interact. Uh, we would have more artists in residence because we would have more space. Uh, we would have people traveling from all over the, the country to study at the drawing center in, in all the various uh, forms of its programming. Yeah, and our yeah, everything would be a lot easier to do. Because <laughs> man, I tell you, we work so hard, and and it, it's not without it's not without an incredible amount of work and candles being burnt at both ends, so to speak, uh, by myself and the staff. Um, we, Manifest has stakes its brand or its reputation on excellence, and so what we do has to be excellent, and so that means that comes down to the staff doing things excellently and it takes a lot of work and and concentration to keep that up year after year and it so it's very hard to do and some people often make the mistake of thinking that we're well off because we're well known and the artists really respect us and engage with us but we make we squeeze every penny as tight as we can and we are not well off we are always looking for support um, and membership and donations to help us do what we do. And it's always seems like it's always by the skin of our teeth that we, we manage to do it. And so, so the time traveling Jason would say, finally it's paid off and, and things are running smoothly and you have everything in place and, and manifest is flourishing. It, it is, it is a goal. It's a goal of ours. It's, I guess it's an implicit um, expectation that, that what we've done is an institution um, not not just a sort of a, a one-time or a short-term um, experiment in in nonprofit gallery and organization um, creation. P- part of our rationale for starting it was an answer to a lot of pop-up galleries or, or small artist-run galleries that, while they had great intentions, ended up failing within a year, uh, or they're hardly ever open, or they do things very poorly, um, but they attract people with parties and beer. When we when we started Manifest, it was it was professors and students saying, "Wait a minute, you can do this. You can do it very well, and you can do it with with your own earned money, um, and and a little bit of help from the community, rather than doing it poorly or having it be temporary." So so Manifest is intended to be an institution that lasts even beyond well beyond myself. Well, and that being said, I think there's that's the perfect uh, exit cue right there, Jason. <laughs> I mean, how can you top that? Um, <laughs> but uh, again, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to tell us a little bit about Manifest. And of course, I encourage people to check out manifestgallery.org. And again, uh, there's opportunities pages and all sorts of things to check out. If there's, is, is there anything that you'd like to uh, remind us about before I let you go? Well, that, that our season will be announced um, in the next few weeks, so new new calls for entry, new exciting projects will be announced. Our solo shows will be announced soon. We're in the process of finalizing that jury. Uh, we had we had I think it was over 150 solo proposals this year, which was still an amazing number. And I think that everyone out there listening should remember that if if what we do means something to them, because we are a nonprofit with a mission, that it doesn't matter if you're local or, or national or international membership in manifest, you know, giving a little bit of money to be a member and listed on our members roster goes a long way to helping us do what we do. We couldn't do it without our members. Excellent. And, and also you can, you can find uh, manifest on Facebook and Twitter. So obviously people can follow uh, there to stay up to date as well. Yes, I hope so. Yeah. yeah, well, thanks again so much, Jason. I, I really enjoyed talking with you this morning, and hopefully we'll have you back on at some point. I'd love to. Thanks, David. Thanks once again to Jason and the staff at Manifest for putting together such an interesting organization. You can check out all of their programming at manifestgallery.org. 
org. And once again, you can find the opportunity section there where they have the paint biennial as well as the manifest prize. So please stay up to date there again. They do have a great bookstore and an education center. You can become a member. So again, check it out at manifest.org. And perhaps now we have uh, some new listeners, so if you'd like, you can check out our archives on studiobreak.com. Again, just look on the left sidebar. You can scroll month by month and check out all the podcasts that you missed. Once again, each of those have images of the artist's work, links to their websites, and these interviews. And if you want to save yourself a little bit of time, you can always subscribe to the podcast. Just follow that iTunes hyperlink and subscribe there in the iTunes store. Once again, we do appreciate people helping share and spread the word of Studio Break, and you can do that in the iTunes store and leave us some comments. We'd really appreciate it. Of course, you can also do that in a number of different social media outlets. Again, you can follow us on our Facebook page. You can like us and, of course, post things as well as find out about new opportunities and things like that. So please like our Facebook page. You can also follow our Tumblr account. That's studio-break.tumblr. So please uh, check us out there and also you can find us and of course send us your artwork tweet your artwork at studio break so please say hello there i do want to thank skylar mail for providing the music to studio break you can check out his artwork at skylarmail.com I do want to take the time to invite you uh, to check out my website, davidlinaway.com, and I actually have an exhibition of paintings opening up uh, next week, Friday, August 28th through September 25th. It's at Three Rivers College in Poplar Bluff, Missouri at the Titian Center Art Gallery. So if you happen to be in the area, please come out and say hello and see the exhibition. Once again, you can also uh, tweet me at David Linaway. So if you want to reach out to me there, you can do that as well. And after all of that, I just want to say thanks for listening once again. We'll talk to you real soon.